Welcome. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us today for Milwaukee's philanthropic community, where our goal is to highlight and bring awareness to people and organizations who are doing great things in our community, with the hope that our listeners will be inspired to do the same. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Relations at Ellen Becker Investment Group. Karen Ellen Becker, our founder, has a son, Julie Ellen Becker, our president, a brother, who served in the military. So veterans have a special place in the hearts of our leadership. We've hosted a veteran appreciation event the last couple of years where we invite local nonprofits to come and share all the great ways that they make a difference for our veterans. This year, we had 20 different nonprofits scattered throughout our parking lot and had over 400 people come to learn about them. We had food, we had music, the Pewaukee Color Guard was there to perform the massing of the colors, the Pewaukee Fire Department brought in one of their trucks for people to see, there was even a very large military armored vehicle for people to climb up in if they wanted to, and lots of great connections were made. I made some connections with nonprofits that had a table at the event that I had not yet interviewed before on the show, and also with some new nonprofits that collaborate with the ones that were here. Today's interview is the result of two of those connections that were made. My first guest today is Dan Buttry, President and CEO of the War Memorial Center. Now, many of you may know that the War Memorial Center is located just across the Lincoln Memorial Bridge by the lakefront, but you may not be aware that the War Memorial Center is an experiential space, unlike any other, where our heroes are honored, history is taught, warriors are healed, events are celebrated, and memories are made. So welcome to the show today, Dan. Thank you so much. You're welcome. So why don't we start out the interview today with you sharing a little bit about its rich history. In the depths of World War II, this community came together and they filed paperwork to establish a brand new nonprofit, uh, the War Memorial. And um, of course, in World War II and 44, you have the wars raging in the European theater and the Pacific theater. And so many families were losing loved ones. And so they really wanted to create, they didn't know what it was yet, um, this incredible uh, location, this facility where everybody could come together and heal. And it takes them until 1957 is when they opened the war memorial. So in there you have World War II and Korea. So two of the largest conflicts within recent time. And you know we lose 8,800 from Wisconsin alone during World War II, mm. almost 9,000 families were suffering those losses. So if you look back and what they wanted to do, they really wanted to create this beautiful building that was more than just a building. It had symbolism in everything that it represented, but also a meeting place, a gathering place, uh, almost a beacon for these loved ones in these, the community that was suffering so much of loss between World War II and Korea. And of course, you know, we were going to Vietnam at that time. But when they built that, that was the, the symbolism of, of the facility. And then my understanding is it was designed by a world-renowned architect called Errol Sarnan. Who yes. Is, who is he? So Errol Sarnan has an incredible story. Um, he's an architect, uh, Yale-trained. He goes to work for the OSS during World War II. 
Um, in fact, he does such amazing work that today OSS is the precursor to the CIA. Uh, you can go to the CIA Museum website, look up Errol Sarnin, and just be blown away with what this man accomplished. Um, nationally, uh, he's building the Arch in St. Louis. He does Dulles Airport, TWA Flight Center at, at JFK. Uh, in the mid-50s, he builds and designs uh, the U.S. Embassy in London. Uh, he makes the cover of Time magazine. So we're blessed to have someone like Errol Sarnin design uh, the building. And he interviews four D-Day vets who stormed the beaches on June 6, 1944, when he was concepting the building. And what you'll note is when he built this center, it's actually representative of a pillbox from Omaha Beach because it symbolizes the loss. Uh, the building itself is in the shape of a cross. It is a service member who's been killed in action lying in state, and where the eternal flame is located is where the heart would be. Mm. So he took all of that symbolism into place and, um, and built this iconic, one-of-a-kind memorial that really almost doesn't have any, any other comparable war memorial in the nation to what we have with this design. Uh, I was on the beaches of Normandy. Mm. I, I did not realize that. That's very interesting. Um, anyone who has visited the War Memorial is aware of the beautiful artwork that adorns the halls and the walls. What's what's the link between the Milwaukee Art Museum and the War Memorial Center? Well, when they designed this uh, space, they wanted to incorporate art uh, because of we go to war not just for death and destruction. That's an unfortunate byproduct. We go to war on this nation to defend what we have back home in this beautiful country, which is freedom of speech, freedom of expression. And nothing compounds that more than talking about art, the ability to, to design and create. And we have that liberty in this nation. So what they did is while you have this memorial and the offices that are up top were always intended to house veteran organizations, the art museum was always intended to be in the base, close connectivity. But the symbolism even of where he put those offices, the veterans are in perpetual overwatch over the freedom of speech, our First Amendment. And so even having it tied to that, uh, and, and over the years there's been uh, art programs, uh, students coming through, but also housing all this art that is held at the, uh, as we know today, is the uh, Milwaukee uh, uh, Art, art mu uh, Museum. It's so great that our Milwaukeeans know the rich history. I mean, I was familiar with some things, but certainly not all the things you talk about. Um, what does the mission Honor the Dead, Serve the Living represent? Well, as a memorial, we will always honor our fallen, and, and that's a clear statement. But serve the living can have a lot of interpretation. And over the years, they've done that by having it as a meeting place, a gathering point. But something we've also introduced was mental health and suicide prevention a few years ago. It's an important part uh, of my mission as a combat veteran, and many of our board of trustees are veterans, in collaborating within the larger community and bringing this back together, almost going back to the original premise of why did they build this center? It's an epicenter. It's a, it's a beacon of hope. And so what we've done also now is bring together all these other nonprofits that we collaborate with to include the VA, the uh, Medical College of Wisconsin, and about 35 other nonprofits that we have in this community that are directly serving families and veterans and military personnel who may be struggling, but really trying to bring all that together as a place for that to occur. And that's where we have um, the Southeastern Wisconsin Task Force on Suicide Prevention for Veterans that's hubbed here at the War Memorial. And keeping them alive, helping to prevent suicide, that's serving the living. 
bringing the community together, but also experts who can really help and assist in that area. And we're a 501c3 nonprofit. I mean, we we run the War Memorial as a private nonprofit. Now, the structure is owned by Milwaukee County, but everything that's owned on the inside, it's owned by the War Memorial, Inc., which is a private 501c3. Okay. Well, I usually ask people at the beginning of the interview why they do what they do. Um, you as a combat veteran, it's obvious that you're very passionate about that, and I think people can feel that in, in your responses to the questions. So thank you for your service and for all that you do. Um, what, what programs do you have that directly support education, both locally and nationally? The education program uh, was stood up about six years ago, so it really does predate my, my tenure. Um, they've done a very good job with building this out. So schools, getting into the schools, working with the students. Our veterans are heroes. Um, yes, they are. They should be role models, but often there's a disengagement on that. One percent of our society wears the uniform today, currently. That means about 90 percent when you take families into account of that uh, tied to those one percent of veterans we got 90 percent of this society that has no direct contact other than what they see or hear via media uh, related to the conflicts that we've had over the last 20 years etc how do we make sure we're educating uh, connecting again there's a lot of symbol you know symbolism here we're always trying to make that connection and so not only do we have school groups come to the War Memorial, uh, we have lesson plans that we bring to them. We bring in veterans who interact with these school groups. Um, we are able to work with educators. They tell us, you know, hey, we have a group of fifth graders, sixth graders, whatever. Uh, could you come in? And so then we'll customize the age group on that education piece, but we'll often bring veterans with us. So they're part of that interaction, telling their story. So really you have the veteran who, through conversation, and I know you're very great at this, you know, you understand the value of, of having these conversations, it's almost therapy for them or it's a release of maybe something they haven't talked about in, in so long. And, and they're very proud of their service. Um, many times they just can't talk about it. Yeah. Now interacting with these young, uh, young students who are like enamored, like, oh my God, you know, I, and then they can maybe see themselves in this, there's hope of where I could find myself at that point. I think it's wonderful to have that connection between the generations. I think that's something that we are losing, unfortunately. Um, but in all regards, you know, to have the younger generation connect with the older generation, just to hear about their experiences and what it was like for them when maybe they were that kid's age. Yes. I think our kids would, would find value or should find value in that, right? In the depths of COVID, uh, one of the things we did, because school groups weren't coming to us anymore, obviously, right? Everything was shut down. Um, we developed uh, downloadable lesson plans. Oh. And in fact, these are based on very broad topics. Um, so it's relatable to uh, many generations and communities. Um, our lesson plans are currently being downloaded from California to New York, all over the United States. Thousands and tens of thousands of students are now interacting with the content because I'll be honest, they're not teaching this topic. Mm -hmm. And so that we have made it digitized. So not only having the in-person access, and that's something very new, well, within the last three, four years is when we've implemented that. So that's where our national impact has been as well. Yeah, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Well, I understand that the War Memorial Center exists in the state of Wisconsin statutes, along with only one other structure. Now, I've been in this structure many times when my daughter went to Madison, but I wasn't aware, and I'm guessing many other people aren't either, of its significance. 
Stay tuned because after the break, Dan will tell us more about this, as well as some other ways the War Memorial Center is unique and different. So we'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jill Economo, and I'm talking in our second segment today with Dan Buttry, President and CEO of the War Memorial Center. So before the break, I mentioned that the War Memorial Center exists in the state of Wisconsin statutes, along with only one other structure. And I said I've been in this place many times when my daughter went to Madison, but I wonder how many people are actually aware of its significance. Tell us about that, Dan. Wisconsin State Chapter 45, which uh, governs veteran organizations in the state. Uh, They put two structures in that uh, because there's public funds that come to support it. So we are a private nonprofit. Camp Randall, uh, as we all know, go Badgers, right? right. And then this War (laughs) Memorial Center, again, because public funds are coming towards the support of the organization. Camp Randall goes back to the Civil War. Uh, You had U.S. uh, Wisconsin troops uh, training there. And then it became a, a prisoner camp for Confederates as well. So a lot of people don't realize that it had that name and that reference, and Randall is tied to the name of the governor at the time. Very interesting. You learn so many cool things on this show. So if you're asked now when you're at uh, Camp Randall watching a game, you might uh, realize that it was um, what it was used for and that it was a, uh, a prison back in the day. And just I find that super interesting. Um, share your perspective, Dan, on what makes the War Memorial Center then so different and unique compared to others across the country? You know, as, uh, the memorial has offices for veteran organizations, so they're conducting their business there. So we have uh, USO Wisconsin, Paralyzed Veterans of America, their offices are in that space. Uh, it's a meeting place uh, where we have Memorial Hall, where large groups every week, uh, Rotary and Kiwanis of Milwaukee will meet there. Um, so you have that access to not only office space where these veteran organizations are conducting their business and serving the community. You also have rental space. We have uh, corporate uh, weddings are, are booked there. We have corporate events that are booked there. That's all part of our, our revenue, bottom line. Um, but then it's still a memorial. And so a memorial is uh, there will be information throughout the building. Uh, we introduced last year for the very first time in the history an exhibit which is Wisconsin's first permanent Medal of Honor exhibit. So we tell the story of all 64 recipients going all the way back to 1862 and tell their story of heroism all the way up to Vietnam. Wisconsin does not have a Medal of Honor recipient since the Civil War. And then we're currently in the process, and we will have Wisconsin's first Prisoner of War Missing in Action exhibit. We will have that open fairly soon, but it's on par with the Honor um, Gallery, which is the Medal of Honor exhibit. So again, having that, again, we're not a museum, we're a memorial. We're an office space where veterans organizations are meeting and conducting business. I mean, as far as we can tell, there are no other memorials in this country that operate in that fashion. You have a lot of beautiful memorials in all the various communities. They tend to be um, something static, you know, uh, I mean, a monument of sorts. Uh, telling the story of great sacrifice. But this is truly a living, breathing memorial where work is being conducted there daily, serving our community as the whole. Mm-hmm. We got something special going on here, don't we? <laughs> um, you had mentioned in the previous segment um, 
mental health benefits. How, how do you support Wisconsin veterans and their families related to their mental health benefits and well-being? So we are a very close partner with the, I'm sorry, the VA um, Medical Center, uh, the Medical College of Wisconsin, and 35 other nonprofit organizations that are directly working and serving our veteran community on mental health and in support of these veterans and families. So we're working with them on a collaborating, engagement, meeting location, uh, and of course now we also have this capability with uh, with the media marketing. Uh, it's so difficult to reach veterans of all ages and in all different stages of their life cycle coming out of uniform. And it's not just one easy drop in the bucket, you can get to them, you know, because you have the entrepreneurs, they're working, young families, uh, you have the Vietnam veterans, we're all in their 70s now, because, I mean, 1975, 18 year old, you're, you're in your 70s today. Uh, they're at different stages of their life. And so what we really do is try to bring up a real diverse activity, uh, fun, uh, we have a beer garden in the summer, you know, we're bringing them together, they're coming down, they're having fun. Uh, the exhibits are helping enormously, telling the story. So it's really a it's a it's a location which it was always intended to be to come to reflect um, to to come with partners, uh, your your battle buddies who you maybe haven't seen in a long time. Because uh, the biggest thing they lose when they le lose leave the military, it's that camaraderie. Mm. And so, uh, in my my big brothers and big sisters of of an earlier era, we love working with them and coming together with them too. I'm an Iraq veteran, so um, it should also be cross generational um, as well. And so that's what we're doing is we're really bringing that together. And I would imagine that if a veteran reaches out to the War Memorial Center, you'd be able to connect them with any number of resources. Oh, yes. Um, it's uh, We would quickly make the connection to, to all of that. So uh, uh, warmemorialcenter.org. And again, if I don't have the answers, we find the people that support and, and assist. Okay. Well, what would you say is the value of running a private nonprofit in partnership with the public community interests? Well, I can I can bridge the gap between two that I was involved with. Uh, I helped stand up Fisher House, Wisconsin, uh, a number of years ago. Uh, we were an all volunteer group. I was transitioning from military to veteran. And what does it mean to become a veteran? Well, you don't know because it's it's an individual scenario. But then going through that, it was almost therapy for me because I had reengaged on a mission. And then when this opportunity presented itself, and you know, a few years ago. Um, I, I was working in the, in the public sector. I'm sorry, the private sector. I had my own firm for many years. Um, I, I needed that mission. And I just can't go to any other nonprofit. I'm, I'm here. I'm on mission. This is very specific to my heart and soul uh, of doing this. And that's why you're going to see in the last few years uh, what we've launched in coordination with our board of trustees who are very much supportive of this. It's a building. It's static. But it's not static in its purpose. And so what we've done is we've evolved our engagement within the veteran community and worked with so many of these other organizations. So um, it's bringing that mission back. It's loving my brothers and sisters who all served as well. It's multi-generational, honoring every single one of those individuals who went through what they went through and, and just f helping them, us, to find a path forward to continue to support. We've got your back. We're here with you. And, and that's, that's what matters to me.
Yeah. And you can so tell. Again, you're so passionate about it, and it's wonderful. Um, the War Memorial Center just celebrated its 65th anniversary. Congratulations. Um, what does the future look like going forward as far as exhibits, education, community support, all those things? Well, we definitely want to continue our, our focus on education. And, and, of course, that will come through in multiple levels from school groups. Uh, you know, we've even been approached by adults. We'd have these chaperones with these school groups, and they come to us and go, can we have one where we're all here interacting with these vets? And we're like, yeah, we're working on that. So it's, it's not just, um, you know, when you think of education, a lot of people think the, the younger, you know, age children. Um, we stop learning the day we die. Let's just keep that in mind. And so uh, unless you're so close-minded, you don't want to continue that. Uh, and what a great opportunity to now interact with somebody who who knows what they saw. Um, and a lot of times they don't want to be called heroes, but they're heroes. And so how do we continue to honor them, their legacy, their families, um, help them advance with healing and support, and then just make sure we're, we're putting this place on the right path. But how do we look to the future and we do that by increasing engagements education exhibits as i mentioned you know the pow mia exhibit we'll tell the story all the way back to the civil war and we've uncovered nearly 3500 names from the civil war the u.s government was only tracking 962 prisoners from wisconsin during the civil war in this process we have now uncovered 3500 so tell those stories right the last thing we do is celebrate war, but we honor those who had to go through it. Yes. And that's a key point is making sure we're, we're punctuating that and setting our society up for a more beautiful future and understanding sacrifice. Because it's not about self, it's about selfless sacrifice. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Well, gosh, I hope our listening audience learned a lot today. I know I have. Um, And we talked about a lot of different things today, Dan. We only have like 30 seconds left. How would you sum up our conversation in a call to action for our listeners? Yeah. Well, as I said, come to our website, warmemorialcenter.org. Sign up to receive our newsletter. We don't over-communicate. We don't sell your information. And we have so many amazing activities that we have done and started to do. And again, we are a private 51C3 nonprofit. Uh, So like anybody else, you know, we uh, we have needs and requests. And if they want to volunteer, um, maybe they want to come in and sponsor one of these activities that we're doing, uh, we'd love to have them. Okay. And again, contact information is? WarMemorialCenter.org. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much. Again, thank you for your service. Thank you for sharing so passionately about what you do and how the War Memorial Center helps veterans and their families. Thank you. Thank you. One of the nonprofits at our Veteran Appreciation event this year had some four-legged friends with them that captured the attention of all the animal lovers who came that day, uh, including me. Uh, Stay tuned, because after commercial break, uh, we're going to learn more about another nonprofit that works in collaboration with the War Memorial Center in their desire to make a difference for our veteran community. We'll be right back. You're listening to EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's philanthropic community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Relations. 
And my next guests today are Linda Bobbitt, Executive Director of Haven Milwaukee, a nonprofit that supports veterans who suffer from PTSD. We also have Michael Kazuta, a veteran and volunteer with Haven. And we also have his four-legged friend, Winston. Winston is a certified service dog, uh, and they're a team with Haven. And Mike is also a board member as well. So welcome to the show today, Linda and Mike. Thank you, Joe. You're welcome. So we know that combat veterans suffering from physical or emotional pains of war are helped by so many different things, counseling, medication, alternative therapies like meditation and yoga, and even by such things as scuba diving. Animals, in particular dogs, also play a therapeutic role with veterans. Dogs help to meet veterans' needs for safety, a sense of calm, and companionship. So why don't we start out the interview by having you tell us, Linda, a little bit more about Haven. Okay. Um, I had been in training with uh, service dog, therapy dog, and pet dog training for a while, and certain things just kept showing up in my path that were sort of guiding me into looking at something involving veterans. Um, I had an in-home training session uh, with a woman, and we we were just talking about something, and the therapy dog her, and she had a stack of books behind her, and she pulled out a book and said, you might want to read this book, and the title of it is War and the Soul mm-hmm. on there, and it started talking about that separation of who I was and who I am now, the division in there, and um, I had an experience of going out to Camp Pendleton. I got an invitation to go out there. They were doing a training clinic out there, and um, it went on for four days. And there were the uh, representatives there from Freedom Dogs. That was the organization, Training Dogs. And on the third day, um, they had a panel of Marines. And questions were just being, you know, brought up. And they were talking a lot about what they're dealing with, what life is, things like that. And there was a question and all of a sudden, everything changed. And it went into a young vet who said, I was 17 when I went in the Marines. I'm 28 right now. I don't know how to be 28. Mm. It went into uh, other vets saying, uh, you know, my kids have events. I, I'm uncomfortable going to their events. There's too many people. But the one um, that said, I have a shirt that has 33 names on it. And... 33 Marines who died. Would you have a shirt like that? You know, and it went on and on. And and I literally felt like there was no air left in that room. It was so, like, everybody was afraid to breathe. One of the handlers undid the leash on one of the dogs, and the dog went up, and three hands went on that dog. Everything changed. Mm. And that's where I thought, okay, this is what I need to be doing Mm. on here. So that that led me to it. it. Took me three years to get anything going, but a Vietnam vet had reached out to me, not knowing anything, um, who wanted to do something with vets and dogs, and we got in collaboration. We came up with a name Haven. And what does that represent, or what does that name mean? Well, it was really funny because we were thinking of having something that was going to be like a safe haven. And then we started thinking of Haven, and we started to see how can we make words out of this. And it came out to hounds and vets empowered now. 
Oh, very good. Mm -hmm. Okay, mm -hmm. that's interesting. So, mm -hmm. and it's Haven, Milwaukee, or just Haven? It's Haven. Haven. Okay. Haven Incorporated, and then Hounds and Vets Empowered now. Okay. Wow. Mm -hmm. Very nice. Mm -hmm. um, Mike, what about you? How did you get involved with Haven? Well, Jill, I'm a 30-year Army veteran, and when I uh, retired, I was used to going about 100 miles an hour. Uh, with our Army, I had 50,000 soldiers in 19 states, and I was always on a goal 22 days a month on an airplane going somewhere, and then all of a sudden, on my 60th birthday, everything stopped. And I started experiencing, you know, some some issues uh, which were noticeable to my family, and I, I went to the VA in Milwaukee and got some uh, some help through the mental uh, mental health uh, professionals there, and one one of them suggested maybe having a a family pet that would help help me. And I've always been a dog lover, and so I. I got a uh, Australian Labradoodle named Sydney, and uh, the professional at the VA was actually kind enough to say, and there's this woman, Linda Bobbitt, she has this organization, and you may want to contact her, and that, that's how, how Linda and I met. Uh, that was a few years ago. Mm, and a nice, you guys come together to complement each other very mm -hmm. well. Uh, so explain the method of training. So why, why is the method of training important to the dog as well as to the veteran? Okay. One of the things with service dogs is they are there to be uh, useful and helpful to an individual when they're out in public places and such. But there's a responsibility uh, for the handler on being able to care for the dog. And in training, when we are when we are teaching the dogs or training the dogs, we are focusing on what they are doing right. We aren't worried about them making a mistake. A mistake just means it's a learning situation. Mm -hmm. We're going to let the dog figure it out. And um, we, we're not using anything, nothing metal collars, no e-collars, nothing of that nature. We want the dog to buy into what we're doing. And one of the the benefits to that is there's a term in the service dog world. It's called uh, intelligent disobedience. And there are times the dog has to outthink the handler. Mm -hmm. And the handler can then trust the dog's decision was, was very useful and appropriate at that time on there. And uh, it's all about the relationship. And there's a lot of benefit to the learner in using positive reinforcement trainer, but it's being recognized now there's also a mental health benefit to the trainer mm. in training in that, ma in that manner. Mm -hmm. And Mike, tell us about your relationship with Winston. I mean, how he has helped you. Winston is here in our studio, and you'll have to look at the picture uh, online to see his adorable face. Um, but how has, you know, we talk about, um, you know, how important the training is to the dog, but how important was this for you to make sure that that match was there? Well, as, as part of my military training, I also was a drill sergeant for 10 years. And uh, I found that uh, Winston actually started to train me. Okay. Uh, 
it, it becomes a very, uh, very apparent relationship to any uh, dog team that uh, each each member of the team actually learns and trains the other, and you you become uh, become able to speak the same language as as, as your dog, and you're used to uh, uh, you know spending the time and. Uh, spending your talent to to train and develop a relationship with the dog and it it's it's uh, unbelievably re- rewarding for uh, both the dog and the trainer i imagine and he's sitting so nicely there right beside you he's so adorable um Linda, you had mentioned a little bit about it before, but uh, why you entered this line of work. You know, I assume that you're a fellow dog lover, for one, but do you have a history of veterans in your family? Um, I do. I, um, my father and my brother were both in the Navy. It's in the past few years I found out that my father was actually a World War II veteran. I always thought he was too young for it. And what I learned is he was there for the cleanup, which sounds pretty uh, pretty normal on there, until I found out what the cleanup really meant. And pieces started falling into place mm-hmm. when that was. Um, my brother, um, unfortunately, uh, died by suicide when he was 22 mm-hmm. on the Great Lakes Naval Base. I'm sorry to hear that. He had been four years in the Navy, and he had been in Vietnam in there, um, and but he died by suicide, and so I have that experience, and it's really, I'm not alone in that. I I know I'm not alone in there, and so um, one of and one of the because suicide is a big topic in the veteran community. One of the things, we went to a National Service Dog uh, Conference last year, and it focused a lot on suicide, and it it was talking about what are the common factors. Number one is childhood trauma. And again, pieces started falling in about how that was setting up my brother Mm. at a very young age, Um, and then I'm sure his experience yeah. in the military. So I, again, being a family member, I can see how the veteran's experience is affecting the family members also. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I've interviewed an, uh, a couple now, different organizations that pair two-legged veterans with four-legged veterans and have heard so many stories about um, how the the four-legged veteran has really saved the life of a two-year veteran, you know, mm-hmm. that was able to do things that counselors were not able to do, you know, or medication. Like we said at the very right. beginning, there's all right. these different ways that that um, services that can be provided, but a service dog is just like no other, right? right. You know, and, right. and is, if it's in the family, it can be beneficial not only for the veteran, but for the family as well. Right, right. Um, if they have children, we say, you know what, your your kids can help you with training. You can do it. And sometimes the kids enjoy going out with dad or mom and the dog. Mm-hmm. You know, they get that special attention. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we need to take a quick commercial break, but stay tuned because Linda and Mike are going to share with us some things that they have learned over the years in serving people very close to their heart. So stay tuned and we'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in. 
This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Relations, and I'm talking in our last segment with Linda Bobbitt, Executive Director of Haven, and Mike Gazuda, Veteran and Volunteer and Board Member uh, for Haven as well. And I don't want to forget Winston. He is here in our studio participating in the interview as well. So, um Tell us then, either you or both, you know, what what have you learned from all these years of service? Well, I can say that it's a constant learning on there. It's learning each team is different. One of my most remarkable one, though, um, was a, a veteran who had a young family. And when we first met, it was, I don't go anywhere. My wife takes the kids out. I'm in the basement. Uh, he sent me a photo one day with his dog out on, a like, a soccer field. Oh, and he nice. said... Yeah, I'm out here. And then we went to a pharmacy, Walgreens or CVS, and he said, you know what I realized? I can't focus on everything. I have to take care of my dog. Mm. And that was huge. That was huge. Mm. Mike, what about you? What about, you know, what, what have you learned? What have the vets taught you? What about the dogs taught you? You know, what, what's your experience like? Well, Jill, one one thing that's uh, really unique to Haven is that each veteran trains his or own dog, and uh, you develop a relationship not not only with the veterans in your training group, but also with the dogs in in the training group. And it's really something to see the dogs come into class. And by the way, we train at the War Memorial Center. Okay. Okay. In, in Milwaukee, which is a big big plus for us and uh two two of the veterans that i've I've worked with in the past now that winston and i are both certified we we became kind of mentors to the new dogs and the new trainers is that uh, some of the veterans are almost homebound and the only time they ever come out is to come to dog training Mm. it's the only place that they feel safe and uh, they they start talking about their uh, their service experiences. Most of us are combat vets because we have to be rated rated at a certain percentage by the VA to be eligible for for uh, training with Haven. And uh, we we learn a lot. Uh, the dogs teach us that. It's not about us all the time. Sometimes it's about our battle buddy, which is uh, the fuzzy one on the floor. And uh, sometimes it's about uh, just, you know, if you're having a bad day or your dog's having a bad day, uh, the other one can bring you up and bring you out of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know what my dogs do for me normally. I, You know, I can only imagine somebody going through such... Um, life experiences, how that four-legged furry partner can just be so um, necessary, you know, in their in their journey in life mm-hmm. as a civilian. Uh, what what is your experience as a family member taught you about the effects of PTSD on on other family members? Uh, one of the things that's maybe getting a little bit more attention is the effect on children. 
you know, just ex- just having to experience some of the limitations of the parent, that um, there's special need there. Uh, it can be scary. It can be frightening. Treating the veteran, helping the veteran to uh, learn maybe new coping skills, new life skills, is benefiting the family. Did you want to add to that at all, Mike? It gives the, the family some clarity when you're diagnosed because a, a lot of time they have no idea what uh, you're going through. What would you say to those listening would be your call to action then for either how somebody can help, um, you know, maybe what you need, points that you want to sum up for the interview? How, what would you say your call to action would be? Well, there's a few things, Jill, and one one of them is we're looking for uh, veterans that may not necessarily own a dog that may be willing to train as trainers because okay. uh, it, it's a, that's a very important part of our program is that uh, we have the uh, sustainability of having the same people uh, meet with different classes, and it's almost like an alumni association. It's it uh, becomes a very comfortable place for us. So we're looking for volunteers. Uh, we've we've been very fortunate with Haven that we've always had a place to to gather. However, the places that we gather have been limited. Uh, with the War Memorial, we. We've been given space, but what Haven's really looking for in the long run is to have the ability to have a home. And and by a home, we're talking about a place where we can gather for not only uh, the training aspect, but also the social aspect of getting veterans together and having an opportunity to talk, train train their dogs, just be a happy place, you know, just thinking about it. Yeah. Do you guys have any kind of capital campaign going then for raising funds for a, um, a new home? We haven't officially started it. We've okay. been talking about it, what we need to do. Um, but one other thing we're thinking of, too, is maybe reaching out to other veterans who might want to train a service dog, maybe for a veteran who's got uh, limited mobility, something of that nature, that okay. they'd want to They'd want to take the dog into their home for a period and go through training with it. Okay. So, yeah. so if anybody listening, if any of that sounds good to you, you want to uh, join Haven and, and their mission uh, and their vision for how they want to help veterans, um, reach out. And what's the best way for them to do that? Our website, haven-mke.org, has all our information. Okay, wonderful. Well, thank you uh, so much for participating in our interview today. Linda Bobbitt, Executive Director of Haven, and Mike Kazuda, Veteran, Volunteer, Board Member for Haven, (laughs) and also Winston for being here for uh, support, and Dan Buttry, President and CEO of the War Memorial Center. Thank you all for all the ways that you serve the veterans in our community. If you'd like further information about what we talked about today, you can reach out to Haven or the War Memorial Center directly, uh, and they can point you to the right resource if they can't help you uh, directly. If you know of a great organization or people that are doing great work in our community that you think would be a great guest on our show, you can email me at jill at ellenbecker.com 
or you can call our office at 262-691-3200. Tune in next Sunday morning at 10 to Milwaukee's philanthropic community to learn more about the ways people and organizations are serving others and making our community a great place to live, work, and play. You can tune in to News Talk 1130 on your radio, or you can go to Newstalk1130.com on your computer, or you can listen on your cell phone via the iHeartRadio app. I encourage you to visit our website at ellenbecker.com to listen to previously aired shows, or now you can listen on demand at Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or Apple Podcast. My call to action today is if you know of a veteran who would benefit from knowing about either of the two nonprofits we highlighted today, I'd ask you to share what you've heard. Make them aware of these great resources that are available right here in our community. If you'd like to make a difference in the life of a veteran, you can do so by donating, volunteering, or advocating for either organization that you heard from today. I'm sure anything you do would be very much appreciated. So take some time to find a way to be a blessing and give a blessing. Thanks for listening today and have a great day.